0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Maybe there's just a promise that you really believe God has spoken to you, but it just seems like it was so long ago, and it just seems like it's never gonna happen, and the circumstances that you see around you just seem to be shouting at you that, you know what, don't keep waiting for this. God never said that to you. You know, that's never gonna come true. That's never gonna happen. Don't give up on that promise.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, in a message titled, The Just Shall Live by Faith. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: So as we come to the eleventh chapter, this eleventh chapter of Hebrews, this is you know it's one of those great chapters of the Bible. You have um, actually years and years ago, a man by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. Whether whether he put the book together or maybe his publishers did, they 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 did a book called The Great Chapters of the Bible, and uh, you know it was Campbell Morgan just looking at each of these. Chapters, you know, that are just kind of extraordinary. They just sort of stand out, maybe among some of the other chapters. And of course, chapter 11 of Hebrews was one of those that he highlighted because it is such a great chapter. It's a chapter that, of course, reminds us of our spiritual ancestors and it reminds us of their faith uh, back at their time. And it's an encouragement uh, for us to. Really, follow in their steps, and the only thing that we have to be careful of is to not, you know, kind of wrench it out of its context. As sometimes that can happen. You know, sometimes we can get so focused on maybe the eleventh chapter of Hebrews, we forget that it's it's the continuation of a thought that the author has been building on. So. You remember he's been warning, he's been exhorting, he's uh, calling them to hold fast uh, to their faith in Christ, and in the 38th verse of the 10th chapter, he quotes from the prophet Habakkuk, and he quotes this passage, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him, But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So he he reminds them, look, the just shall live by faith. All of those who have been just, all of those who have been God's servants throughout all of history have pleased God in the same way, and that is the way of faith. Now the just shall live by faith. So coming to chapter 11... He now, first of all, gives us kind of a, you know, sort of a definition. It's not a, any kind of a lengthy definition at all, but he gives us a bit of a definition of faith, and then he talks to us about people who exemplified this faith that he's saying that his readers need to have and we would need to have as well. So he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So kind of a definition, faith is the substance of things hoped for, or or it's the confidence that the things that we hope for from God are going to become a a reality. It's it's that confidence. And it's the, the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of the things not seen. Of course. God is not seen. God is invisible. He's a spirit. And there, there's a whole spiritual dimension. We can't see it. But the evidence for it comes to us through faith. We we believe that these things are true. And so even though we don't physically see them, or they're, you know, they're not materially manifested to us, we see them through the lens of faith, through the eyes of faith. And he says that this is how the elders obtained a good testimony. So all of those, now remember he's writing to Jews, he's writing to Hebrew believers, so the elders would be those people back in their history and even further, this goes even further back than the history of the nation which began with Abraham. This goes all the way back to the children of Adam and Eve, the immediate children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. But then he says, so in verse three, verse three on through verse seven, there's four things he tells us, three people and one event, that we understand these things by faith. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds or the ages, or you could say the universe, by faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, So it's by faith that we understand this. It's by faith that we understand that the ages, the the universe was framed by the Word of God. Now, let's just be clear about what faith is and isn't. When the Bible talks about faith, it's it's not blind faith. Blind faith is you know you're going to believe something that is just completely contrary to all the evidence. The evidence is right before you, but you say no, no no, I don't believe the evidence no i i I believe it happened this way, and I believe it happened by faith. Now he starts with that, but now he mentions three people, and without going into a whole lot of detail on each of the um examples that he gives here his he's making one point in each case, and I'll just tell you up front what the point is. The point is simply this, that faith leads to action. So for people who have faith, they show their faith by responding to God. So he starts with Abel. By faith, What did Abel do? Well, he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. So it was by faith that Abel offered a sacrifice. And then he goes to Enoch. What did Enoch do? By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. So it was by faith that Enoch Enoch was translated or he was miraculously taken. Uh, Some people would even call this a rapture, which, you know, it probably could be that. He's uh, maybe even a type of the church, Enoch was. But it was through faith. God had evidently spoken to Enoch that if he would walk with him and please him, that God would deliver him from his corrupt generation. And apparently that's what Enoch put his faith in, and God delivered on that promise. And then thirdly, Noah. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Here's what he did by faith. He moved with godly fear, and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. So you see, each one of them by faith did something. Faith is active. Faith does something. Like James tells us, faith without works is dead. So by faith, we do something. The author is saying to these people that he's writing to, look, This is what they did by faith. Now, you, by faith, what he's really telling them is you need to hold on to those promises. You need to continue to trust God despite the circumstances and the challenges and the difficulties. Your faith is gonna show itself in continued trust in Christ and continued obedience to God's word. Now, the thing that I wanna focus on today is verse six. The just shall live by faith, and what does he say in verse six? He says that it's through faith that we please God. Enoch is our immediate example. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So he pleased God through faith, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. Think about that for a moment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, there are many people who are content with following a ritual or embracing a formula or finding uh, a list of do's and don'ts, and that's the extent of their spirituality, that's the extent of their religious life, if you will. There, there's no faith involved in that. It's just, you know, you, you go through the ritual, somebody else usually performs it, but, you know, there you are, at least maybe you're observing it. Or, you know, there, there's some formula, you just adopt this religious formula, or there's this list of rules, you do your best to try to keep it. That's, that's kind of what religion is. There's no faith necessary for that sort of thing. It's just rote, it's routine. You can just go through it with your eyes closed. You can do it in your sleep. You never even have to think about God. You know, sometimes when we see very you know, outwardly religious people, we sometimes think that, wow, man, that person must know God or that person must be so spiritual. Not necessarily. Because the only way to know God, please God, have a real encounter with God is through faith. So you could have all of this external stuff and have none of that. So it's not this outward thing. God is looking for men and women that he can have an intimate, vital, loving, personal relationship with. That's what God is looking for. And the way we come into that is through faith. That's how we come into this relationship. So we come there through faith, through believing the truth that God has revealed in his word about himself, and through embracing that ourselves. Now, he says here in verse six, having said without faith, it's impossible to please him, he says that there are two things that are necessary with this faith that pleases God. He says, number one, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and secondly, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, first of all, he who comes to God must believe that he is. He that comes to God must believe that he is still actively working in the world. He's alive and well, and he's, he's working out his plan and his purpose. You know, there's lots of people all around the world who even claim to be Christians. They don't, they don't even necessarily believe that. They don't believe that the world's headed in a certain direction that God declared in his word it would go. And what would you say about people like that? You'd say, well, they, they, they don't have faith that God is. And they might believe that God exists, but that's just a distant sort of a thing. It doesn't have any personal application to them. Oh, yeah, there's, you know, oh, sure, God exists, but as far as that creator wanting to engage with them on a personal level, they don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe that, then you can't please God. You have to believe that he is. You have to believe in who he's presented himself to be, as I said, in what he's done. Who's he presented himself to be? The creator and the redeemer, what has he done? He sent his son into the world to die in the place of sinners and to rise again and to destroy death and to give us eternal life. So we must believe that God is, and secondly, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Lord said to, the, he spoke to the nation of Israel, and he, and he said, I did not say to the sons of Israel, seek my face in vain. You see, God, when he calls us to seek him, when he calls us to follow him, when he calls us to serve him, it's not in vain. There, there's, an, there's an end. There's an objective that he's seeking to accomplish. And there is a blessing for us. There is a reward that will come to us finally. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And of course, as we go back and we follow the history here, we just looked real briefly at these three. We're going to come to Abraham and to his immediate descendants. We're going to look at Sarah. We're going to look at Isaac and Jacob. And then we're going to come to Moses. And we're going to look not just at Moses, but at Joshua and David and other people like that. All of these people are people who lived by faith. And all of them diligently sought the Lord and all of them were rewarded in one way or another. As we're going to see as we go further into the text, some of them receive their reward later after they transition from this life into the next, but many of them receive the reward in this life. But listen, God rewards those who seek him. And the first thing that he rewards us with is really just a greater experience with himself. He, you know, he is really the reward He's the reward himself. Now, he might shower blessings upon us and do that, and that's wonderful. But at the end, you know, God himself is the reward because man was created by God and for God. And only as we go deeper into communion with him do we find the fulfillment and the real satisfaction that we're actually longing for. So he himself is the reward. But like I said, he will additionally reward us. And again, going back to the context here, he has said to them earlier, he told them about the reward that was coming for them in the future. He's saying, don't don't let go. Don't give up. Don't draw back. Hang on. There's a reward that's coming. There's a blessing that's coming. And let me just say that to you, that God has given you a promise, and maybe it's been a long time, and it just seems like it's never going to happen, and maybe you're tempted to give up. Don't give up. There's a reward. There will come a time when God will He will fulfill that promise that he's made to you, and you, you just need to, to persevere. You know, to have faith, you know what it really means simply, and you know what he's really pleading with them to do? Keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. Don't give up. And of course, in their case, it was keep trusting God in the sense that you put your faith in the Messiah. Don't draw back from Jesus. That's, that was for them, keep trusting God. But for us, maybe, for you, maybe, maybe it's a different thing. Maybe you're not, and hopefully you're not thinking about walking away from your faith in Jesus. If you are, don't do that. Keep trusting God. Keep believing God there's a great reward. It might not come in this life, but it will come. Believe me, it will come. But maybe it's a different kind of a thing. Maybe there's just a promise that you really believe God has spoken to you. You believe that in in time past, that God spoke a certain thing to you, but it just seems like it was so long ago. And it just seems like it's never going to happen. And the circumstances that you, you see around you just seem to be shouting at you that, you know what, don't keep waiting for this. Don't trust in this. You, God never said that to you. You, know, you you just need to forget that, or you need to launch out on your own, and you need to do your own thing, because you know, that's never going to come true. That's never going to happen. Don't give up on that promise. If you are convinced, or at least you were convinced at one time that God really gave you that promise— hold on to it. I can think of many times in my life where, you know, I had been desperate and I had been seeking God and waiting on him and longing for, you know, him to give me a word, a promise, and he would do that. I can think of a few times where the promise was so specific and it was so powerful and it was so timely that I I wrote it in the margin of my Bible. I, I highlighted the promise. It was oftentimes a scripture. I highlighted it, and I wrote right next to it, promise for me, and I put a date. And then I would go back to that, you know, in times of discouragement, and I would look at it, and I'll tell you, I have promises that, that would go back 10, 15, 20 years. And of course, after 10, 15, 20 years, you're looking at it going, did I really how, how did I ever think that God spoke that to me? You know, because all of the emotion that was initially there, that's all dried up a long time ago. And all the excitement that, man, God spoke to me and he's saying this, that's kind of long gone. And now you're just looking at the bare text going, what, what was I thinking? Why did I think God was speaking that to me? There, you know, Nothing's happening here. And I don't feel it anymore. But you know what I would do whenever I would come to that place? I would just take a journey backward. I would just go, okay, here I am today. How did I get to where I'm at? What was the process? How did God work along the way? I just walk myself back in history and then start making my way forward. And I would arrive right back where I was and I'd say, okay, I'm trusting God. Because all the way along the journey, God said said and he did. He said and he did. He said and he did. He said and he hasn't done. But since he said and he did, said and he did, said and he did, he said, and I believe that he's going to do, even though it's taking longer than I thought. Have you ever noticed that God never, ever does anything in the time frame that you want him to? <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's true. It is, I, I don't know of any time in my life that God has cooperated with my scheduling. It just never works that way. And what happens is because He doesn't work within our time frame, we get discouraged. And we think, well, either I didn't hear him or, you know, maybe he's never spoken." But no, just remember, God has a time, and His time is perfect. I, I always have liked the quote I heard years ago from uh, the missionary, Amy Carmichael. She said, God is seldom early, but never late. Seldom early, but never late. The fact of the matter is, God is always on time. We're the ones that are out of sync with the timing thing. So listen, he is a rewarder. Don't give up. The reward will come. And as you await the final Reward. I mean, obviously there's the big picture final reward that we're all gonna inherit when we go to be with the Lord. But as you even await the reward that will come in this life, know that God is faithful. He will give you little brief seasons rewarding you with just a sense of his presence or just a sense of assurance that he did indeed speak those things to you. But let me close with this one last word. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need to be diligent in our quest for God and the things of God. We can't, you know, we can slack off about a lot of things in life, but this is one thing you cannot slack. be a slacker in. There's got to be diligence in our lives. There has to be consistency because God rewards those who diligently seek him. And so we keep pressing in, we keep growing. You know, we, we go through seasons though, don't we? We go through times where we're, we're engaged and we're devoted and we're, um, you know, there, there's that diligence there. And then that, that kind of dies off a little bit and we sort of back off and we get distracted and we uh, all these other things going on. Uh, you know, that happens, but when it happens, just stop and say, wait, 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 wait. Okay. I, I got to get, no, I got to get the priorities right again. I got to get back. We can always come back. You know, there's that idea of um, as you recalibrate, you know, with certain kinds of mechanisms and so forth, you know, they're calibrated and they function at a, in a certain way for a certain period of time, but then they, they, they get off. And so you have to go back and they call it recalibration. You have to go back and recalibrate. You have to go back and set it to where it's supposed to be. You know, we need to do that in our lives. We need to recalibrate. Don't get ripped off thinking that because you've lost your focus or you've fallen off in your devotion or you're, you know, you're not as diligent as you once were, don't get ripped off into thinking that that's just it and God's mad at you and no sense and he doesn't, you know, he's not going to bring you back and you're just going to drift further and further. Forget that. That's not true. God is always ready to recalibrate us. Hey, let's get it fine-tuned again. Let's get it dialed in. Let's get, let's get things set back to where they're supposed to be. Diligently seeking him. Those are the ones that please God. The ones that believe that he is and the ones who diligently seek him. And that's the history that was behind them. And now we've got all of that other history. We can see that God has been faithful in every generation to do that for those who put their trust in him. So let's be like that.
0: For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry.